friends and introverts, welcome back to the You're So Quiet podcast, or welcome if you're joining for the very first time. As always, I am your host, Chelsea Brown. This week, we're going to talk about fighting with your partner or with a friend, and specifically ways to fight fair and pitfalls to avoid. As we move into the holiday season, this can be a time that is fraught with fodder for a fight. I love some good alliteration. Fighting is something we're all going to do eventually, no matter what kind of relationship you have, so it's important to try to do it in a productive way. But before we get into that, as always, we are going to do our customary mental health check. You're going to rate your mental health from one to five, one being horrible, five being amazing. Today, I am at a chipper two. (laughs) Um, This week has been a really hard week for me. I have been just really emotionally drained by a lot of personal events, and this week was also the previous week when you're listening to this, but the week now when I'm recording this, this week was also the anniversary of my best friend's death, and that's always a very trying time for me. So, um, you know what? It's been, it's been really rough over here, to be honest, It's felt kind of like a depressive episode. I was at a flat zero earlier this week, and we have kind of crept up as the week has gone on. Uh, Yesterday, as I'm recording this, was the anniversary of her death, and I talked about it with Donovan, and talking about it did make me feel a little bit better, but it's still, it's still just a sucky, it's a sucky day, Um, and I was going to try to rewrite the day by doing something with a friend, but she didn't come and didn't tell me. So that just, I mean, given my own trauma around this day, particularly with feeling like I'm not even cared about it, that was, that was particularly horrible. So, um, yeah, I'm doing pretty, pretty bad, (laughs) pretty bad at the moment. Um, however, I did try something new last night. I tried an aerial silks dance class and it's mostly like learning how to do things on the silks and it was so hard but it was so fun and I'm gonna keep doing it. I think it is important for me to try new things and to try to be active again. I have been uh, without my exercise regimen for um It, you know what? It's been longer than I remember, which is not ideal, especially as we go into these darker months. I am more liable to fall into a depressive episode, antidepressant or not, and I'm, I'm the only one that can kind of prevent that or stop that from happening. So I'm going to, I'm going to work on it. I'm working on it. I'm doing the best that I can. And honestly, the best that I can is good enough. So tried something new yesterday, really enjoyed it. I will be doing that class every week now and I'm I'm already looking forward to the next class cuz it felt it felt so cool to get something and to like make a cool shape on the silk and yeah. So next time I'll try to take some pictures or video of me doing this stuff. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you'll be able to see what I'm talking about. And it's just really cool. It's really neat. So I'm really glad I did that. Otherwise, this week kind of felt like a little bit of a black hole of a week, to be honest with you. Um, Yeah, just generally a lot of dark emotions. So, uh, 
not ideal as we move into November, but I'm just gonna roll with it. You know, sometimes a month can start out horrible and it can end amazingly. So I'm going to do my best to stay positive, but still let myself feel my feelings. Don't forget that this is also your time to check in with yourself, rate your own mental health one to five, one horrible, five amazing, and just be honest, just like me, you know? I'm not saying that I'm like the role model for this kind of thing, but I'm still just being honest and you can be like, you know what, I'm at a two as well, but I am also going to try to allow myself to feel this while still taking care of myself. You know, we can do both. We can do both. While you are thinking about that, I'm going to give you my recommendations for this week. I have no books or movies or TV shows to recommend to you. I know, contain your shock. I have three other things to recommend to you. First thing is the Nature Sounds playlist on Spotify. I have been really craving some like ambient noise lately and I saw on TikTok that some girl when she's reading she puts on this playlist like as a background thing and so I put it on on my laptop on the lowest possible volume and it was like the perfect way to do what I, whatever I was doing whether it was reading or writing or working on a project whatever I was doing like that sound was perfect like it's something just nice in the background it's nature so it's like healing and good for you and it's not like a show where I'm eight episodes in and I don't have any idea what was happening because I was busy doing something else. I am notoriously that person who puts on something in the background, but then I want to watch it, you know? So for me, the Nature Sounds playlist was really hitting this week. So I highly recommend that. It is on Spotify and it is free. The next thing I'm going to recommend to you is Red Mill's Gluten-Free One-to-One Flour. Now, I, again, have been on this gluten-free journey for a minute now, and when I tell you it is a journey, okay, to be clear, I am doing gluten-less, not gluten-free, but if I can make substitutions, I do try to make substitutions. I used this flour to make my banana bread. My banana bread is famous in the family. It is so good. It's so moist. I made it with this flour and it was genuinely the best banana bread I have ever made. And I didn't change anything else. Like it was just the flour that I changed. So I then tried to make regular bread. And I can't blame the flour for this because the flour did what the flour was going to do. I think my active yeast was dead. But I tried to make regular bread and <laughs> just go check out the TikTok to see what it looked like because it, uh, it didn't go well. However, I have baked multiple things with this flour and there is a slight taste difference. Don't, I'm not going to lie to you. However, it is, it's pretty good if you are looking for a gluten-free alternative. It's like a flour mixture. It's not just like almond flour or arrowroot flour. It's like a specific mixture and you can just use it one-to-one -one as you would use regular flour in your recipe. So definitely check that out if you are trying gluten-free or gluten-less or you just want to try out a different kind of flour for your baking. Give it a shot. 
the last thing I want to recommend to you is a dirty chai. Now, <laughs> I, I'm a morning drink girly. I used to be a morning coffee girly, and now I can't really have coffee. Even decaf sometimes has too much caffeine for me, especially if I drink it like black by itself. So I had to try something else. So I got decaf chai, like the concentrate, from the grocery store, and I brewed decaf coffee, and I put it in a jar in the fridge, and I use oat milk and this like toasted marshmallow nut pods creamer. So I do like half the glass of the chai, then maybe a quarter cup of the coffee, then fill it with milk and then a dash of whatever creamer I was using. I genuinely believed that I had created a revolutionary drink. I'm dead serious. Like, there's no way anyone has ever thought of this before me. Like, this is so good. This is incredible. Like, this is my new morning go-to. And then I'm on the internet and I see something called a dirty chai. I'm like, what is that? That's interesting. It's literally my drink. <laughs> it is literally my drink that I made. So, that being said, even though I did not invent this, it is still a perfect morning drink. I've had it both hot and cold. I kind of prefer iced, but I prefer iced drinks just generally. It is cinnamony. It is nutmeggy. It is fall. It is a dash of coffee flavor, but not too strong. The toasted marshmallow creamer is so good, so light, no sugar added, non-dairy. So it doesn't make me feel like wired or weird for the day, but it's just like that nice, smooth beverage for the morning. So give that a shot. I wish I could say that I invented this, but alas, I did not. So check out a dirty chai latte. They're so good. With all of that being said, let's get into the episode, what I want to talk to you about today, which is fighting fair. We have all been there. I've been there. You've been there. Let's say it's with your partner, with your friend, with your parents or your siblings. You say something or they say something and one of you takes it personal and now it's like a whole thing and you're in a fight and the fight has grown to this to like catastrophic proportions and you don't even know what to do because they don't agree that they said that, you don't agree that you said that, and now you're just fighting and there's no resolution in sight. I get it. I do. I do. I am someone who, I really like a good debate, but I think that sometimes my love of a debate comes into my relationships in a negative way. What I mean by that is I fall into a very specific pitfall, which is fighting to be right. I want to beat it into you that I am right and you are wrong and here are all the reasons, here are all the examples of why I'm right and you're wrong and you should apologize and I'm the best. This is not helpful. <laughs> This is not going to end the fight. This is, in fact, going to prolong the fight because as I'm trying to beat into you that I am right and you are wrong, you are then put on the defensive. If you know anything about being put on the defensive, you know that that means that you're going to lash out to protect yourself because no one wants to feel like they're wrong. 
So don't do what I do. Don't fight to be right in an argument. Do not, this is the second pitfall, don't blame your partner, right? That I'm right and you're wrong. You're blaming them for the fight. Even though, let's say you said something that offended them or upset them, you're fighting to be right and you're blaming them for the reaction that they had. This is, this is inappropriate, just to be very blunt with you. I'm not saying that I am an angel. I literally do this all the time. And I have to remind myself that I don't need to fight to be right. I don't need to blame them. This isn't about blaming someone. It isn't about being right or wrong. It isn't about placing blame and then, okay, I can blame you, you're wrong, and now the fight is over. You're, you're just kind of adding fuel to the fire, you know? And I say this with all the love in the world because, again, I do this so much. One other thing that I do, and something that you should also avoid, is bringing up the past. I am notorious for this because I have a very long memory, particularly for things that hurt me. So if you, I don't know, let's make up a fake scenario. Let's say you left my shoes out when I asked you to put them up and the dog ate my shoes and these were special edition or had some sentimental value or something and they can't be replaced. And so I'm so upset with you, like drilling it into your head that I'm right and you're wrong, even though they're my shoes, you should have put them up because I said you should have put them up and you should have put the dog in his crate so he didn't eat my shoes. And there was this time two years ago that you forgot to drop something off at the post office for me and then I didn't get my passport until too late. And there was this other time, you see where I'm going with this. At some point when you're getting on a roll, because I know I get on a roll, when you're getting on a roll in an argument, I think it's important to remind yourself that you're trying to work toward a solution, not trying to be right. Bringing up the past like this is also called building a case. And when you build a case against someone in your mind, you are convincing yourself of this person's wrongness, right? Maybe you're convincing yourself that they have always been a bad person or they don't even care about you. They don't even like you. They've never loved you. I don't know why you're even friends with them. Like there's a whole slew of things that you could convince yourself about somebody. And if you look at only the things that have hurt your feelings about this person in the past, things that they've done to you or said to you, regardless of if that particular argument was resolved, if you only look at that, you are building a case against them without them even knowing, first of all, and without refuting arguments. That aside, building a case against them is only going to convince you that what you believe about the situation is correct. Something that I heard a long time ago was that there are three sides to the truth. Your side, my side, and the actual truth. 
So oftentimes, in every argument, the real truth, the actuality of what happened between you two lies somewhere in between what that other person believes and what you believe. And if you are beating into them that you're right, if you're bringing up the past, if you're blaming them for this situation and every other situation that's ever come up in the past, if you are building a case against them that they are a bad person, for example, is this fair? No. It's not fair. And it's not fighting fair. This kind of fighting will only serve to prolong the fight that you're in and honestly make it into this big giant monster that is hard to slay. And at the time when you're in it, you might not even realize what you're doing. You know, you might not even check in with yourself and be like, whoa, like, why am I being so aggressive? They just left my shoes out. They didn't do it on purpose. That sucks, but honestly, they're my shoes and I should have just put them up, right? If you never check in with yourself like that, you are never going to actually get to a resolution, to an actual solution to the problem. Something else that will also hinder you getting to this resolution is using phrases like never and always. This is something I am so guilty of. I, I'm notorious for the you always do this or you never do this. And honestly, very rarely are those things true. And it can really put your partner on the defensive such that they feel like their efforts outside of your never or always statement are not seen. So if you say, you never put my shoes away or you never do things when I ask, when I ask you to do it. And they're thinking, well, you asked me to walk the dog. I did that. You asked me to clean the house. I did that. You asked me to do X, Y, Z. And I did those things. But now that I didn't do this one thing, I never do that. And again, that's not fair. That creates this idea that you have a negative view about the character of this person, that they are irresponsible and they are a bad person, regardless of the good things that they've done for you. And this is honestly a product of black and white thinking in your own relationship that you're and in the fight itself. If you're thinking of them as only bad and only rude and only whatever, of course you're not going to treat them with the love and respect that you might actually have for them. The final pitfall to avoid that I think is one of the most crucial things to genuinely try to never do is do not belittle your partner. Do not show contempt for your partner, particularly in a heated argument. I don't think that showing contempt for a partner is appropriate ever because that kind of belittlement is going to push them away from you, is going to make them not trust you, not only in this situation, but in other situations. And I was reading online that contempt during an argument, like being really sarcastic with your partner, was one of the number one predictors of a divorce. Why? Because this person that you are being so belittling toward, of course, is not going to want to be with you. Why would someone be with someone 
who wants to keep beating up on them and telling them how much they suck and being sarcastic and not taking their concerns seriously. Of course, it's going to lead to a severing of the relationship, whatever that relationship may be. So, to summarize, things to avoid. Don't try to be right. Being right is not the most important thing. Do not blame your partner for what's happening. There are three sides to the truth. Your side, my side, and the actual truth. So remind yourself that the actual truth lies somewhere in the middle of what you both think. Do not bring up the past and don't conflate this argument with some other argument. Bringing up the past is just going to prolong this and again turn it into this giant monster that is so hard to slay. Next, do not say never or always. Never and always are very rarely true. Using these terms will make your partner again feel defensive. Next, don't build a case against your partner or your friend or your family member, whoever you're fighting with, don't build a case against them. I'm sure that there are things in the past that they've done or they've said, and if you only look at those negative things, you can absolutely construct any narrative that you want. Anything that you want to believe, you can make yourself believe by only looking at those things with a fine microscope, right? That case that you're building is an inaccurate representation of the actual person and is not productive to find a resolution to the fight that you're in right now. Finally, do not show contempt for your partner. This means no sarcasm and no belittling. This is true not only in romantic relationships, but in friendships, in relationships with your family, in relationships with your coworkers. Showing contempt for someone is the quickest way to make them, in the simplest terms, not like you. That's a very unlikable thing. It will make someone just feel bad. And if someone feels bad when they're around you, they won't want to be around you. And if they don't want to be around you, coming to a resolution of this fight that we're in is the last thing on their mind. Okay? So, we know what not to do. And knowing is half the battle, G.I. Joe. (laughs) Side note, for the longest time, my husband would say, knowing is half the battle, G.I. Joe. And I was like, why are you saying G.I. Joe after? Like, why are you telling me who the quote is from? I know who the quote is from. And after genuinely like six years of this, I finally found out that that's actually the quote. And knowing is half the battle, G.I. Joe. I'm like, oh, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, sorry, let's get back to the topic at hand. So we know what things to avoid, okay? Knowing is half the battle. And now we can try to do better. I do want to tell you that now that you know you can do better, but if you have a habit that you've already built of, for example, saying never or always, of trying to be right, of bringing up the past, it can be difficult to break those habits and you're not always going to be successful. However, showing that you're trying to fight more fair is... an an incredible step and if you're able to even mid-argument stop yourself if you say for for instance if you're like you never put my shoes away 
And then there's a pause. You're like, wait, that's not what I meant. I'm feeling this way. Right? And if you stop yourself and rewrite what you actually meant, your partner will see that, particularly if you're someone who is notorious for using never and always in an argument. Okay? So your first reaction, your first instinct might not always be the healthy one. But as we start to build these habits of avoiding these things, we'll do better. Now, it's not always particularly helpful to avoid something. One of my old therapists said, what you avoid, you attract or something to that effect. And it's like when you're in a car, you're driving along and you see, I don't know, a big box in the middle of the road and you're staring at the box and you're like, don't hit that box, don't hit that box, don't hit that box. And you're going to hit the box. Okay. If you look where you want to go instead, if you want to swerve around the box, you're going to swerve around the box because your mind goes where you're looking toward. Okay. And that's true with your habits as well. If you're focusing on, I don't want to eat gluten You're only going to see all the delicious things that you could be eating that are gluten-filled. But if you're like, I want to eat more corn, I want to eat more vegetables, I want to eat more whatever, if you change that frame of mind, you're more likely to be successful in your endeavor. And learning to fight fair is no different. So I have some ways to fight fair for you. The first one that I have is something that a good friend told me once. I was talking to her about something and I honestly don't remember what it was, but she was like, honey, I think you need to pick your battles. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, is what you're telling me a big deal? Like genuinely, is it a big deal to you? Like if you had to rank it, is it top of the list, bottom of the list, middle, like what is it? I'm like, it's really not that big of a deal. It doesn't affect me. She's like, so then it's not really worth it to bring this up. Like, oh. And it really it took someone telling me that for me to for it to click in my mind. Because I am I can be a very defensive person. You know, right off the bat, if I feel like I've been wronged or I've been hurt, I am immediately on the defensive and I feel like I have to protect myself. But when you choose to pick your battles instead, you're like, okay, this thing, not that big of a deal. Not a big deal. But if it really bothers you, okay, then we can have this discussion or have this argument, right? I'll give you an example from my own life. I apparently leave the pantry light on all the time. I leave the light on, I close the door, I completely forget about it. And I only learned maybe two weeks ago that my husband sees this, he just shuts off the light, goes about his day. He has never brought this up. Never. Except for once, two weeks ago, when I walked into the kitchen at the same time as him, he's like, you leave the pantry light on a lot. I'm like, really? Do I? And he's like, yeah, I'm like constantly shutting this off. I'm like, oh my bad, I didn't know. But in the 10 years that we've lived together, he has been shutting the light off, just going in, shutting the light off, not making it a big thing because he's like, this is not a big deal to me. It's a little annoying. It's a little inconvenient, but it's not a big deal. So I'm not going to make it into a big deal. All of that to say, not everything that you perceive as a slight 
is worth the fight. I didn't mean to rhyme, but I'm going with it, okay? Not every comment that your partner makes, not every time that your friend bails on you, not every time that your parents say something that you don't like, not everything has to be a thing, right? You only make it a thing if it truly bothers you, if it's something that you're like, okay, I'm ranking this really high on the list of things that bother me and I just need to talk about it. Like, we need to figure out something else to do because this really bugs me, you know? So, pick your battles. The next thing I learned, and I actually learned this from Married at First Sight. I am a Married at First Sight convert. Honestly, Australia does it so much better than the U.S. The U.S. US is kind of boring. But on the latest U.S. season, this couple was not able to communicate with each other. They would, like, constantly snipe and fight about everything. They were not picking their battles, but they would fight about everything and it would become this whole thing. They're fighting to be right. They're blaming each other. They're bringing up the past. They're saying never. They're doing all the things that I just said earlier not to do. And so one of the experts comes in, they're like a therapist and they're like, when this happens and you realize it happens, I want you to say, I am not your enemy. And this is a verbal reminder to your partner who is on the defensive or even to yourself if you're on the defensive that we're not enemies and this is true in my own relationship as well my husband will say to me I'm on your side and that's like oh of course you're on my side of course you're on my side we are on the same side we are working toward the same goal and because I can be such a defensive person that just snaps at the slightest perceived slight I need that reminder sometimes. I think we all need that reminder sometimes from our significant relationships. Again, whether that's your marriage, someone you're dating, a friend, we all need that reminder that we are on the same side. And if you are in a conversation that is turning into an argument because maybe the other person is getting heated, say that. Say, I'm on your side. Say, I'm not your enemy. Say, I love you. Just do something to break this anger and resentment and tension that they're feeling right now and maybe give them a new perspective. Like, oh, yes, we are on the same side. We are not enemies. We love each other. Like, let's speak to each other like we love each other. The next thing is, it is super hard to do and it's something that I'm doing so much better at now, but I used to be the worst at this. And that is listening to understand, not to respond. I love a good debate, as I said earlier. And while I was having an argument in the past, I would listen to like little bits, but I would latch on to certain things and be in my head the whole time, not listening, not paying attention, not trying to understand what you're saying, because I'm building up this incredible searing argument that's going to give me a golden globe because of how amazing this is. I'm going to have to take you to the hospital, to the burn unit, to treat this burn that I'm about to give you. It is going to be incredible. That's who I used to be. (laughs) And honestly, leaving like a sick burn feels so good sometimes. Is it fair? No. It is not. Does it feel good? Yeah. 
Is it right? No. And honestly, it only feels good in the moment. Because afterwards, you've now added to this giant monster of a fight that is now going to be so much harder to slay. Okay, so even though you're like, ooh, I can't wait to say this. I can't wait to say this to them. For what? You know, for what? What you should try to do instead is genuinely listen. Go into this discussion, this argument with an attitude of curiosity. I think this is important, not even just in arguments, but just in conversation in general. Sometimes, especially like in our society lately, it feels like everyone is just fighting to say something. You know, they just want to be heard. They want to say something. They want to be included. And I feel like we've lost the art of just having a conversation and being curious. I was watching Love Island Games last night. And one of the guys is talking to one of the girls and she's like, oh, yeah, I'm a molecular biologist. And he's like, tell me more about that. Like he was genuinely curious and I was flabbergasted. I'm like, who is this person on Love Island that's like actually wanting to have a conversation versus, oh, yeah, that's cool. Like I'm a firefighter or whatever he does. I don't remember. But we need to kind of foster this curiosity in conversation in general, which will build you up to being able to do this in an argument and particularly in an argument where you're heated and you might not be super curious about what the other person has to say. You just want to convince them that they're that you're right, convince them that they're wrong, make them apologize and walk away the victor. I get the urge. But if we can go into this with that attitude of curiosity, we can find out oh, they thought I said something that I didn't say, or, oh, they have a belief that, like, this, this, and this is wrong, or they didn't see this, or whatever the case may be, like, there just might be a lapse in understanding. And if you don't listen to genuinely understand where they're coming from, understand their reasoning, understand their trauma, of course you're not going to come to a resolution because you're not interested in a resolution if you're not curious about their side. As I've said already, I think three times in this episode, there are three sides to the truth, yours, mine, and the actual truth. So in trying to understand their side, rather than build up this incredible burn that you're about to give them, you're going to come to that resolution much easier and build a better relationship between the two of you. Again, whether it's your marriage or a friendship or a work relationship, it doesn't matter. Going into this with that air of curiosity of really trying to understand where they're coming from is so vital and so important and like a key component of fighting fair with somebody. The next thing that is a solid way to fight fair is to not let that first thought you have be the thing that you say. Take a pause before you respond. Think about it. Process it. You know? Take a second before you unleash your incredible wit upon this person. Taking that pause has proven, for myself at least, to be an invaluable resource for multiple reasons. It allows me to process what you just said to 
decide how I actually feel. I've heard and learned through years of therapy that oftentimes anger is not really anger. It's just hurt or frustration. Like your feelings are hurt, so you get angry. Anger is generally not the thing. But it can be your first reaction. So if I'm given an opportunity to process by myself, like I haven't left the conversation, I'm just taking a second, thinking about what you said, thinking about how it makes me feel, and then I'm going to respond in a more measured and intelligent way. This is going to be far more productive for the argument that you're having. This is going to be far more fair toward the person that you're fighting with. In taking that pause, you also give the person that you're fighting with a chance to process as well. They might also come back and say, no, I didn't mean you always do this. What I meant is whatever, right? If you are so focused on this rapid fire exchange of blazing insults, you're just going to be in a fight forever, you know, until one of you just decides to let it go. And then if you let it go, but don't really let it go and don't really forgive them, then that resentment is just going to fester and it's going to become this whole thing. And I don't know about you, but I don't want the thing to be a whole thing. I want all of my relationships to feel safe and like a good place to be. I don't want it to feel like that sour feeling in your mouth where you know that you're not really on good terms with this person, but they don't know that, right? And that is not fair. It isn't fair. And I know also that some people hate the word fair. They're like, life isn't fair. Get over it. And I agree with you. Life isn't fair. We should get over that. However, I do think that we should endeavor to be fair in our relationships. We don't have to expect the world to be fair, but we also don't have to perpetuate what the world gives us. The world kind of sucks sometimes, in all honesty. There are wars going on right now. It is an absolute mess. But do we have to make every relationship in our life as unfair as possible? No, we don't. On the topic of pausing before responding. It's also important to know when it's time to take a time out, like genuinely actually step away from the conversation, go take a walk, go read a book, play with your dog, whatever you got to do. Both of you walk away. Don't text about it. Don't anything. Walk away from the conversation and come back to the issue. Two things. One is the signal that it's time to walk away because in the moment you might not know that it's time to not be in this conversation anymore you're just so fired up and that is the signal when you start to feel like genuine anger and rage toward this person it is time to step away as people I feel like anger is one of the hardest emotions to mask or to press down because it's so powerful. It is like a visceral reaction in the body. Your blood pressure goes up, your heart beats faster, you have adrenaline pumping through you. It is an absolutely wild emotion. So it's understandable why it's hard to then have a level head while you're trying to have an argument, right? When you feel 
that anger and that rage and it is overpowering you such that you feel all of these physical sensations in your body, it's time to take a pause. Literally, some people use the timeout signal, like the make a tea with your hands. Some people say, I'm getting frustrated, I need a break. Whatever works for you. I saw on uh, Love is Blind, I think, they used an oil barrel, like the emoji, to signal when they needed to get out of a situation or when they themselves needed to walk away. And I think that's a great tool. I, I need you to find whatever works for you. Even if that's just saying, I need to time out, we need to not talk about this anymore. The second thing is walking away is great. But as you calm down, you're going to feel reluctance to come back to the situation. And I feel that. I really do. But it is not productive because as you walk away, you've calmed down. You're like, you know what? I don't want to talk about this anymore. We're, we're done. The fight is over. The fight isn't over. You know, it's still in the back of your mind. It's still heavy on your heart. You still have things that are left unsaid. Your partner or your friend or your family member, they might feel unheard and the resentment will build in the relationship. So when you pause after you feel this anger coming in, you need to set a time to come back. Hey, I need to take a time out. I'm getting really frustrated. Can we come back to this in two hours? Right? So that gives you two hours. You know exactly how much time you have left. And then you come back to it. You can also, if the two hours are up, you can come back. Like you said, you're like, you know what? I'm still really mad. Can we just talk about this tomorrow? Like, let's talk tomorrow, 11 a.m. or 12 p.m. Let's go get lunch and let's just talk this out. But I, I'm really sorry. I can't talk about this right now. That's okay. That is emotional awareness, you know? You don't need to keep putting yourself in a situation that feels horrible. That said, it's going to feel uncomfortable. You know, it's going to feel uncomfortable, especially if you're a people pleaser. It's going to feel so uncomfortable to ask for a timeout because you're like, well, this person is clearly ready to keep having this fight. So, I mean, I guess we're going to keep having the fight. No, like you are allowed to ask for what you need. And what you need right now is a little bit of time and a little bit of space and then you can come back and actually find the resolution that genuinely you both want. You both want the resolution. The next thing is a cardinal rule in my relationship, and that is talking about private things in private. And the rule that we have is we support each other in public, but in private we can talk about it. I am never going to call my husband out in public for something that I don't think is appropriate or, oh, I didn't like when you said that or we're like now fighting in public. We are not going to do that. That is a cardinal rule in my relationship. And that has worked so well for us. And it's not even just like, oh, you said this and I'm so upset with you. It's not even major things. There was this one time that we were at a car repair shop and the repair guy was like, literally name your price and that's what price I'll I'll accept to fix this. And my husband's like, no, 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 we'll just take the car home. And so we took the car home. I said nothing, by the way, took the car home. And I'm just like, why, why did we not just name a price? He's like, oh, I don't know. I think we could just do it ourselves. I'm like, we could have just named a price. We could have said $200 
And he would have said, okay. And then we would have gotten it fixed. He's like, you know what? You're right. We should have done that, but that's eh, no big deal now. Let's just go ahead and fix it. And we fixed it. Like it wasn't a big thing. And when you allow your partner that privacy, that feeling of not being put on the spot, because if you put them on the spot, you are adding tension to a potentially already tense situation. He wouldn't have loved if I would have disagreed with him in public because he, he didn't want to do the repair there for whatever reason. He didn't want to. And I don't have to be so vocal about my disagreements in public, right? If we're not in agreement, let's talk about it in private. Even if it's just this tiny little thing, I, again, don't want to put you on the defensive and make this tiny little car repair issue into a major issue of now you feel put on the defensive, you don't feel supported, or whatever the case might have been. So people are different, right? But I I personally believe that talking about like corrections or disagreements in private is the way to go because it allows you to to just have your dynamic. There's no one else who's going to be jumping in, having a say, taking sides, making a situation bigger than it has to be. And again, the focus here is not winning, right? If you're out with your girls and your boyfriend comes along and you want to fight with your boyfriend there and then all your girls gang up on him, that's going to feel horrible. And now you're not even going to be fighting about the original thing you were fighting about. You're fighting about the fact that you had all your friends gang up on your boyfriend. Like, that's not cool, okay? And it's, again, going to just make them feel defensive and overall make them feel like they can't trust you. Because they're going to feel like you really just brought me here to have backup, to have a fight to prove me wrong. Like just to tell me how horrible I am and how I'm wrong and I'm to blame, bring up all this stuff from the past and put it on me in public. It's not appropriate. So again, all couples are different. Do what works for you. For my relationship personally, we do not discuss private things in public. The next thing is vitally important and could prevent you from doing some of the pitfalls, you know, from fighting to be right, from blaming your partner, from bringing up the past, from building a case against them about how horrible of a person they are. One of the key ways to fight fair in whatever relationship, friendship, romantic, whatever, is remembering that you are a team. Whoever you're arguing with, you have this bond with them. Whatever that bond might be. I don't know what the bond is. But you are wanting to fight fair with them at least. Right? And that's why you're listening to this podcast. So you two are a team. We are teaming up against this issue It is us versus the problem, not me versus you. The problem is the problem, not you are the problem. It's kind of a nuance, but it is an important nuance. Neither of you are really to blame for the issue, okay? The issue is the issue. It just exists outside of you guys. So naturally... The solution can only become up, can only come about when you two work together. Okay, so if you work together toward this solution versus 
pretending like you guys are fighting against each other, like, oh, I'm fighting you, I'm fighting you, but no one's fighting the actual issue. So the issue is just kind of feeding off of this energy and again becoming this giant monster that is harder and harder and harder to slay. But if you work together, while the issue is still small, you can slay the issue easily. And finally, this is, and it kind of goes with remembering that you're a team, this is again a key, key component to fighting fair with someone that you care about. And that is treating them as though you care about them. It seems so simple and so obvious, but in a heated argument, in a time when you feel defensive, in a time when you feel hurt or angry, this can be very difficult. Difficult to remember, I should say, because in your brain, your defensive little adrenaline-riddled brain, you're already framing them as the enemy. But you're like, okay, we're a team. I care about them. So I need to treat them like I care about them. A lot of times I see, because you know I watch like crazy amounts of reality TV. I see a lot of times couples particularly are in an argument and they say horrible things to each other. They say horrible things. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example because it's top of mind right now. There's this couple on 90 Day Fiance and they have been on like three or four seasons of this show. They are toxic together. Like honestly, they are, they have love for each other, but the relationship, the communication, it's not working. They had this fight on camera, like at an interview and the girl said, I'm just going to go to my ex and he can F me like because he knows how to do it. I'm like, huh? Like You said this fully in public. Like, first of all, you know that like public versus private. But this guy that you supposedly love, you supposedly want to marry, you said this horrible, horrible thing to him. And he in turn called her a bunch of names, like names that you would not say to someone that you love. We can't conflate passion with love, okay? When you are angry with someone, you can feel like passionate, okay? But that is not love. Love is gentle, love is kind, blah, blah, blah. You know the psalm that I'm talking about. If you want the whole thing, go look it up because that's all. I think it's love is patient, love is kind. Anyway, you can go look it up if you want to read the whole thing, but love is not that. You do not speak to someone you love like that, okay? You speak to them with kindness, with love, with respect, and this is genuinely at the core of fighting fair, is treating them like you love them, even though you may not like them very much at the moment. You don't have to like them at the moment to love them and treat them accordingly, right? That couple that I'm talking about, you can't unsay those things. I'm now going to have that in my head forever if I'm one of those people, right? I'm going to have in my head that you brought up your ex and you're going to go sleep with him because he knows how to do it right. Like, that's not cool. And then she's going to have all the names that he called her in her head now. And then again, this tiny little issue that y'all started out with 
is now this massive, insurmountable problem that even working together will be very, very, very difficult to defeat. Okay? So when you are fighting with someone that you have a relationship with, whether it's a friend, family member, work colleague, or even in your marriage or your romantic relationships, remember that you care about them and treat them like you care about them. And with this in mind, I promise you that fighting fair will come a little bit easier. With all of that being said, we are about at the end of our time together this week. Thank you so much for joining me. As always, I love you so much. I hope this helps when you are experiencing another argument or disagreement with someone because fighting fair is so, so important and it can lead to a much better outcome. Don't forget to leave a rating and review for the show if you haven't already. If you haven't, what are you doing? It takes like two seconds and I would really, really appreciate it. You can also follow me on Instagram and TikTok at your so quiet pod, Y-O-U-R-E, so quiet pod. I'm trying to be more active, but you know that I like go in phases with social media, but I still post some fun stuff up there. So go there if you want to stay on top of everything with the show and if you want to participate in future episodes. That is all I have for you this week, my friends. I will talk to you all next week. Okay, love you. Bye. Thank you.